Welcome to episode 19 of Mental Health by TalkLink. Here's what's coming up. Prior to learning mindfulness, a lot of people, myself included, thought that whatever I was thinking must be true. Hi, I'm Rowan, and today we'll be speaking with Anna Davies, who is a psychologist, mindfulness trainer, and yoga and meditation teacher, working in private practice called Ubuntu Wellness. Anna has spent her career really focusing on mindfulness, and as you're about to see, she really walks the talk and is one of the calmest and most grounded people that I know. It's actually rained during a portion of this recording, and at first I thought about pausing the recording, but then I realized that we were actually talking about being in the moment, so you'll hear some of the rain come through at points. This podcast is brought to you by TalkLink, which is an online directory connecting young Australians with the right mental health practitioner. If you'd like to ask Anna a question, you can do so anonymously at talklink.com.au forward slash podcast. Okay, let's dive in. I think we can all really relate to what mindlessness is. So the absence of mindfulness, so, you know, getting distracted, not being able to pay attention, getting lost in thought, you know, having a conversation with somebody and then going, whoa, what did we even talk about? Was I even present there? Getting ready to leave the house and not being able to find your keys. All of those things, you know, the, the very sort of common experiences that us human beings experience of mindlessness. So mind, mindfulness is really about being present, being able to engage fully and wholeheartedly in the here and now, in what's actually happening in this moment. And there's a really lovely definition by John Kabat-Zinn, who's one of the people responsible for the expansion of mindfulness in the West. Mindfulness has existed for centuries and centuries in the Eastern traditions, but really has only gained popularity in the West you know, in the last few decades. So but John Kabat-Zinn defines mindfulness as paying attention to the present moment in a particular way on purpose. So there's a real purposefulness to it. There's a real, um, without a striving, without a sort of, a gripping it's just a yeah I'm intentionally engaging in this present moment and that particular way that he describes which is really involved in in the mindful process is engaging in the present moment with openness so I'm really sort of open and curious as to what this present moment holds for me I have no preconceptions I have no expectations. Just before our chat, I sat down, you know, it was a, a little bit early, which is really unusual for me. And I sat down and I was like, I'm just going to just sit and listen. And I was able to, I was like, oh, I hadn't even noticed that it had started raining. So I was like, oh, I'm going to actually tune into that and notice what does rain actually sound like? So there's this element of the beginner's mind, you know, which we, we talk about a lot in mindfulness. So I've, the beginner, you know, children are a beautiful uh, role model for being a beginner. They're just so, they've never experienced it before. So there's a real just, ha, huh, wow, isn't this interesting? Um, 
there's no conditioning as as you know as at you know through life you, we, we gain conditioning these expectations or i want this i don't want that you know with this beginner mind we're just very like oh this is this is how it is right now and and can i be with this so there's a really also included in that is there's no judgment there's no judgment to what this present moment holds you know, we, ha we have a tendency to judge things like dislike, want, don't want. So the mindful approach is just very much, okay, yeah, this is here. Can I be with it? Um, so there's an acceptance in that as well. You know, acceptance, not necessarily meaning you have to like something either, because sometimes, um, and particularly, you know, bring it back to what a lot of people are experiencing like right now, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of, challenge coming up for people we might not like what is present um but there's an acceptance is we're letting go of the resistance we're letting go of the fight of the struggle you know i i could you know i'm using a really simple example here of the rain outside but you know i could then go through a whole storyline of like oh there goes my walk for this morning i really wanted to go out for a walk oh that's so annoying and i could really go into that sort of oh like a struggle, a fight, whereas it's like, oh, okay, there's the rain. Oh, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Like, you know, can I actually tune into it? And my nervous system doesn't then go into that um, stress response of feeling like I'm in a struggle, feeling like there's a problem here. Um, there's, no, there's no problem. I'm just, yeah, there's, there's, there's rain. Yeah, so this is quite a different way, perhaps, than what we are used to. But as I said, you know, children give us the perfect example of how to do it. So I feel like mindfulness is really taking us back to what we already know in our cellular memory. It's already in us. Um, it's it's like a relearning. We're relearning how to be in the present moment, which, as a result, allows us to be less in that struggle allows us to really engage with what's here so that we're not lost in our own our own mind's interpretation of what is here or our own mind's tendency to think plan analyze ruminate um, take us away from the present moment mm. why would someone use mindfulness what why would someone decide that this is a technique that they're going to spend time and money and focus and energy on mm. what will it bring you I feel like everyone needs to be learning mindfulness, regardless if you're a happy person, great. You can still benefit from mindfulness. If you struggle with anxiety or depression, yes, mindfulness is really going to be a very useful tool to support you. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about our tendency to get lost in thought. And so for some people, those thoughts might just be about, you know, what am I going to do today? What does my day look like? How can I plan ahead? How can I problem solve? That's useful thinking. If that becomes our constant mode of operating, you know, we're constantly in a state of, of thought. We're constantly planning, doing, striving, analyzing. Um, that's a lot for our nervous system. That's like we're, we're, we've got the on switch on all the time. You know, that's it's we burn out. So our, our nervous system, you know, becomes over overstretched and we experience stress in our body. Um, so mindfulness helps us to 
kind of keep that in check you know notice when we're sort of okay yeah I'm in thinking mode constantly all right I need to actually just bring myself back or it can help us go you know what there's a lot of stress in my body right now wow okay so oh interesting I'm sort of tuning in I've been analyzing that conversation that happened three days ago and beating myself up over how stupid I was and and how I didn't articulate myself or I wish this had happened right and that's sitting in me and, and my body is still responding like there is a problem here so okay I'm just going to take some breaths or I'm just going to you know soften my shoulders or I'm going to bring my attention to where I am I might go outside and tune into the nature around me and our nervous system gets that chance to drop. So mindfulness is so, so useful in supporting us to regulate our nervous system and bring us from a state of fight and flight, which a lot of us are, are on constantly. Mindfulness can support us to tune in. Hey, what, what's going on in my mind right now? Right? I'm, I'm thinking and planning and I'm worrying about something that may not even happen. Okay, can I bring myself back? Can I support myself to be in this moment? Because in this moment, for a lot of us, the answer is actually I'm okay. Like all those perceived threats that may be around the corner aren't actually here. I'm actually okay. You know, I'm safe. I'm well. You know, there might not be in an ideal situation, but there's a safety that can come from just really engaging in the present moment, grounding ourselves in that way. But, you know, mindfulness can also be really helpful for those who have a tendency to be quite critical of themselves. So some of those negative self-talk that a lot of people can experience and which I myself can relate to. It's something that I find so useful when I get caught up in that inner critic of you know shoulds or didn't do this or um, whatever that might look like you know it can really help to shift from that thinking space to a more being in the present moment and and this is also I think the power of mindfulness is it supports us to choose what we want to listen to and also so when I say what we want to listen to what thoughts we want to listen to because uh, prior to learning mindfulness a lot of people myself included thought that whatever I was thinking must be true kind of funny but you know it's sort of well unless we actually start to engage in this like oh okay what is actually going on and 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 really realize that this is our mind talking but it might not necessarily be reality you know I can have the thought that you know, it's a, it's a rainy, gloomy day out there. Instantly, I kind of feel a little bit dropped in my body. I feel like my mood sort of, sort of drops a little bit. So if I'm sort of really just, yeah, whatever I'm thinking is truth, I'm sort of at the mercy of my mind. Whereas if I can sort of go, oh, well, that's a thought. That's not actually truth. And I actually kind of go into the more objective. Oh, well, there's some rain outside and it's a little bit grey. Um, but I can also see the leaves sort of having the droplets of rain fall from them. And I can also feel my feet against the ground and that feels comfortable. And I can also feel the movement of my breath and that feels comfortable. Okay, this is actually what's happening in this moment, not what my mind is telling me. 
Hmm. And you have a very calming yeah. effect. Even while I'm listening to you, I feel like my heart rate's gone down and I'm feeling more yeah. calm. <laughs> I'm so, glad to hear that. So when we're in the stressful response that you're describing, we're now, mm. is, it, is it we're in our sympathetic nervous system? And a Part of our, um, what's called the autonomic nervous system. We have the two strains of the, the, this nervous system. So we have the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is more commonly referred to as the fight flat response. And that's really important. It's so important for our survival as human beings. So when the sympathetic nervous system sort of kicks in to help us prepare for whatever threat might be present in our environment but it's also there to kind of help kick us into gear in the morning so that we can get on with our day and you know there's a little bit of that energy that gets kicked in but particularly when there's experience of stress or perceived stress or perceived threat I should say so oh there's so much I have to do and I haven't done any of it and got all this you know it's the thought the body doesn't really know the difference between what's happening now and what our mind is telling it so if that's what the mind is feeding the body the body responds like there's a lot of a lot of stuff that it needs to respond to so the fight flight kicks in and yes there's hormones that get released the stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline get released into the body and that creates things like an increased heart rate, increased respiration rate, so that we're circulating oxygen through the body. You know, if we were to imagine that that stress is caused by, for example, we've gone for a walk in the, the woods and there's a, a tiger that we come across. This is just an example. You know, we need that response. So, yeah, there's also blood flow goes to the extremities, so we're ready to either fight or run away digestion shuts down because we don't need to worry about digesting our breakfast when we're trying to fight for our lives or run for our lives so there's a whole series of things that happen and in the ideal situation this is how we're sort of made you know we fight the tiger we run away from the tiger and then we know that we're safe we come to safety and then all of that softens down because the parasympathetic nervous system is then kicked in so that's the rest and digest that takes us back to a state of homeostasis. So a resting point. So heart rate decreases, respiration rate decreases, blood flow then goes to our vital organs again. So, you know, our, our organs are able to work in a way that they need to work. Digestion kicks in again. So that is what we need, this balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic or active and rest doing and the non-doing but if we're on the go all the time if we're if that on switch is always on or if that idea of threat is always on and threat might be yeah the threat of pandemic or the threat of our livelihood or whatever that is if we're engaged in that all the time our body is always in that state of fight or flight. And yeah, we can imagine that's not really going to serve us for a long period of time. And that's where, yeah, you know, we, we, we can get ill or we can experience depression and anxiety because there's a sense of not really being able to cope because we can't cope in that state for a very long period of time. It's not how we were designed. 
So mindfulness supports us to come back into that parasympathetic state by coming back into the here and now we're really communicating to ourselves yeah i'm i'm okay right now there's no tigers there's no um, i'm not sick or i haven't lost my house or the person that i think might be judging me isn't actually present right now they're not judging me um i am okay so we come back and we don't even have to believe that actually like just to say that we don't this isn't about changing our mind this is actually just about engaging in our sensory experience of what this present moment is and all of those messages just get fed to the brain naturally so maybe i could just give a brief example of what that might look like uh-huh. Because I, yeah, there's there's the talking about the mindfulness, which you can do lots and lots of. But if you're not actually experiencing it, it's just you know, what's the point? Um, <laughs> okay, so we'll just do a brief experience, just so that I don't know. Yeah, we we might have some more questions that come from that as well. But so for those listening and for you also, Ruan, so we might just get comfortable in your chair or however you find yourself. And allow yourself to take a look around the room, wherever you find yourself, and just start to engage with curiosity, with interest. Let's do what you can see. Like you've never noticed this room, like this is the first time you're looking. Notice the different colors, shapes, shadows. Without judgment, just noticing the different details that you can take interest in. Now, closing your eyes or keeping them open if you prefer. Now, just tuning into sounds. Tuning into what you can hear. You might notice sounds close to you. Sounds that are in the distance. I'm just receiving sounds through your faculty of hearing. It's that open interest. Now letting go of sounds and let's tune into our sense of touch, what we can feel. You might notice the temperature against your skin. That 
cramps your clothes against your skin, the hair on your head. Noticing what your body is in contact with, perhaps a chair or a cushion or the ground. And just allowing your body to ease into that contact, ease into whatever is supporting you in this moment. And then perhaps taking awareness into your feet. And just feeling into your feet. What surrounds your feet, but also sensations within your feet. And the most subtle sensations there. left and right. Bring that same awareness into your hands. Tops of your hands, palms of your hands, all 10 fingers. Feeling the inner landscape of your hands. The aliveness felt there. And perhaps noticing your shoulders without changing your shoulders or creating any stories about what your shoulders feel like. Just let them be as they are. Attending here. Now finding your breath, the breath which has been happening this whole time, now just bringing it into awareness and not forcing your breath in any way, letting your breath be as it naturally wants to be. Just being this silent witness observing the flow of your breath. Perhaps noticing the warmth and the coolness of your in-breath and your out-breath that can be felt at the nose. feeling any movement in your chest and your belly. 
knowing that there's no right or wrong here, there's nothing that has to be done. Just appreciating the breath as it is. This nourishing quality of breath. Whenever you feel ready, you can gently guide your awareness back to the room and open your eyes. So that's a, a little mini experience of mindfulness and we went through quite a few different what we call objects of awareness, things that we were paying attention to. So we started with what we could see, what we could hear, what we could touch, and then going deeper into the physical sensations of the body just through the feet and the hands, and you could expand that to other parts of the body as well, and then the breath. But as a little mini practice, you could do that or you could just do what I can see or you could just tune into sounds or you could just tune into the feeling of your feet against the ground. You know, there are these tools that can be carried with you and it's quite, I, yeah, maybe I'll just ask you, Ruan, how, how you're feeling after that experience or what that was like. I feel really relaxed. I could feel my heart yeah. rate going down. Yeah. I had lots of things that I was thinking about and I found that I was just clearing my mind. I felt a lot more mm. focused afterwards. Mm. Yeah, cool. This has definitely and it's been the most relaxing conversation <laughs> <laughs> I've had. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we didn't actually, you didn't have to do anything to those thoughts. You didn't have to purposely, purposefully get rid of them. You didn't have to, there wasn't really much doing and that's the real beauty of mindfulness. It's actually the opposite of doing. You're actually just bring your awareness back into what is actually here. You know, with that real objective awareness, like, okay, I might have an idea of what that light looks like, but what does it actually look like? So there's a curiosity and, and, you know, you don't have to do anything to your breath. Your breath knows what to do. Your breath is there all the time so it's it's actually the opposite of doing and in that process you've then cleared your mind just naturally you then you know feel a lot calmer a lot more relaxed we take it deeper you know into the more spiritual element of what mindfulness can offer where we say that what we experience in that karma state is actually our true nature it's actually you know the that's that's who we are. We're not our mind. We're not the egoic, you know, stories that our mind tells us. We are actually just this person 
that we feel when we're experiencing that just simplicity of noticing the birds, noticing our feet, noticing the breath, you know, this, this person who, who doesn't actually have to prove anything in this moment to feel worthy, to feel okay. And I think that's the real power of mindfulness. You know, on the first level, it helps us to reduce our stress and get into the present moment so we can engage in it. But then on a deeper level, it takes us into our true nature, you know, which is, is whole and which is as, as nothing to prove is, is innately worthy, innately good enough. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation with a general practitioner, mm. Dr. Chris Files, and he made this really interesting comment. He said, depression is when we focus too much on the past. Anxiety is, is what happens when we obsess too much about the future. Mm. I think mindfulness is what you get when you, when you are living in the present. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But mindfulness also, like we can use the word mindfulness, we can also use the word awareness or attention or presence. It also allows us to know when we are in the past. Oh, right. I'm thinking about the past. Right. Okay. That's why I'm feeling heavy or that's why I'm feeling low. Okay. Can I bring myself back? Or, you know, oh, I'm noticing yeah, I'm feeling really anxious and yeah, I'm thinking about the future. I'm noticing that my thoughts are thinking ahead. Okay, can I engage and bring myself back? So it has that really useful way of allowing us to know where our attention is and choose where we want it to be. So is it an antidote for depression and for anxiety or is it a key tool in the treatment and management uh, yeah. of those? Definitely, I would say it's definitely a key tool in the management of, of those issues. And there's been a lot of a lot of research in the last um, couple of decades in particular. I, I can't quote any um, off the top of my head, but there's lots of research and there's lots of information out there to support its usefulness for things like depression, anxiety, also people experiencing trauma, also people experiencing chronic pain and chronic illness. Um, there's lots and lots of usefulness to it. And to emphasize what you said at the start of this conversation, mm -hmm. you don't need to be depressed or anxious to get a lot of benefit from mindfulness. It's just this incredible tool for managing day-to-day -day stress. Yeah, yeah, because I, I haven't really come across a person <laughs> Maybe, I don't even think the Dalai Lama would say that he, he can, I haven't come across a person that doesn't get anxious or stressed or doesn't occasionally feel down on themselves. You know, it's, it's, we're all, we're all in this human condition together. We all experience those things, you know, it's part of, yeah, that's, I was going to say it's part of life and realize that sounded really kind of depressing, but it's, you know, it's, it's part of the colorful nature of life. We have, the most amazing joys and the most amazing experiences but we also you know that's also part of the buddhist philosophy as well there is also suffering and that is a reality and so it's mindfulness helps us to relate with that suffering in a different way it doesn't become us it's not who we are we can support ourselves through some of these you know, ways that i've just spoken about and as well incorporating 
the element of self-compassion, which I think is also a really important part of mindfulness, you know, learning how to notice what's going on for us, notice a difficult feeling or a difficult experience and then offering that response of, and can I be kind to myself in this moment as I'm experiencing this challenge rather than how do I get rid of this or this is a real problem or I shouldn't be feeling this. The element of self-compassion being like, yeah, this is here and can I, can I befriend myself like I would be, how can I be with myself like I would be towards a friend as I'm experiencing this difficulty? Yeah. I had a, a mind shift moment from something mm. you said years ago. So for those listening, <laughs> Anna and I do, do know each other and we go back a few, <laughs> quite a few years now. Yeah. We, we were in a space in Brunswick in a, in a tea house that was a really 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 old building and it had no insulation mm. and it was in the middle of winter and i think i made the comment about it being freezing because you know it was it must mm. have been six or seven degrees outside and inside i swore it wasn't much warmer and i said oh my gosh i just can't handle this it's just so cold right here and you just took a breath and you looked at me and you said yeah it's cold but i like that because that's winter and i'm just mindful of the fact that it's cold <laughs> And it really struck me. I was like, well, why won't you fight against the cold? Let's get the heater going. Let's put extra jumpers on. Let's warm up. Let's do some, some star jumps. Let's fight. And in that moment, you just accepted the fact that, yeah, it was cold, but it was winter. And, mm. You know, there was something beautiful mm. about being cold. And mm. that forever, Anna, changed my view of the perception wow. of cold. <laughs> wow. I'm just thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, why didn't I remember that? Like, <laughs> as in like, <laughs> I frequently still sometimes resist the fact that it's cold. Um, but no, exactly. That's a really, I'm glad that that stuck with you, Rowan. That's, yeah, that's really lovely. And that's, yeah, as I'm sort of like laughing at myself, why can't I remember that? Yeah, I sometimes fall into that trap of resisting what is, but yeah, if we actually engage with well, what does cold actually feel like? Okay, there's a tingling, there's a, a coolness. Okay, yeah, can I be with this? As opposed to can I be with the story of, and I'm not saying you were you were you know engaged in this story at that time, but oh, this oh, is I so definitely bad. Was. I want to do this, and yeah, yeah, it was so liberating because instead of trying to warm up the space and fighting the cold, I just accepted. Well, right now it was cold. It wasn't going to hurt me. It wasn't going to mm. kill me. It was maybe a little mm. bit uncomfortable, but the idea of discomfort was something I was mm. constructing in my head in that moment. Mm. And once I let go of the fact that it was uncomfortable and reframed it as, well, it's cold because it's winter and yeah. it's a beautiful experience because soon it may be hot and then that will be a different <laughs> experience. It yeah. just, I, I, I reframed what it meant in that moment and it was liberating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, I'm it really glad. It me from the need to fight the cold and to make it, yeah. <laughs> make it yeah. something it wasn't. So, Anna, I want to ask you about the difference between mindfulness and meditation. Could you talk mm. about that, please? Yeah. Well, mindfulness is something that we can engage with in our daily lives, you know, as a gave a few examples before, noticing what you're seeing, you know, engaging in a conversation. Like right now I'm really mindfully engaged in our conversation. I'm not thinking about anything else. You know, it could be I might, if I'm noticing myself distracted, I might sort of tune into my breath or I might feel my feet against the ground to help re-engage me in the present so I can engage in our conversation. 
So there's lots of different ways that we can practice mindfulness in daily life. It might be as we're chopping the vegetables for dinner, you know, you're, you're you know, witnessing the colours, you're feeling the knife in your hand, you're feeling it chop through the vegetable, you're really engaged in that as you're going for a walk, you're, you're taking in what surrounds you. But then meditation, so I guess the experience that we did before was like a little mini meditation. Meditation is what we call, we can call like the formal practice of it. So it's like, you know, you're going to the gym to practice being mindful in a more sort of, um, it's a really purposeful way. So it's, yeah, through sort of taking yourself into a quiet place, sitting comfortably, and all you're doing in that moment is closing your eyes or you might keep them open and you're engaged in a mindful meditation. So it, it's a, usually a longer experience um, and there's a lot less distraction. You are just really left with the distractions of your mind, but you're getting that opportunity to practice. Okay, notice when you go off into thinking, notice when you go off into fighting or, or whatever it might be and can I gently bring myself back can I gently bring myself back to my breath or can I gently bring myself back to noticing what's present in my body or can I gently bring back myself back to just feeling my body as it's resting on the ground can I bring myself back to this moment again and again and again so it's the meditation really just allows us to have a I don't want to say a deeper experience because sometimes the deepest experiences happen in real day life in everyday life, but it, it's, um, yeah, it's a time that you can set aside for yourself to practice so that when you're living it in your everyday life, it's more accessible for you. You've, you've started to train those neural pathways of attention so that it, it slowly becomes more natural for you to be that way in everyday life. So I got a, a whoop heart rate monitor and uh-huh, yeah. it, it lets me geek out on what my heart's doing. And one of the functions <laughs> it allows me to test and encourages me to do is meditate. And I thought, well, right. you know, I, I, should, I, should, I should meditate because that's good, right? Because when I talk to Anna, yeah. she'll say, you should be mindful. <laughs> And the crazy thing is you can see your heart rate drop significantly 10 or 15 Mm. beats a minute for me. The moment I start meditating and the moment I stop, it jumps up again. Right. And my, my HRV, which is your heart rate variability. One of the key metrics for fitness is impacted the next day because Mm. you meditated. Wow. And what I'm realizing now is just the act of controlling slow breathing even not in the context of meditating because i'm meditating can jump my heart rate into that meditating state and Mm -hmm. slow Mm -hmm. down my resting heart Mm -hmm. rate Mm -hmm. is that is that a phenomenon that you see is that sort of what you're talking about you can you can you can cement it in the practice of meditation and then extract portions of it yeah yeah, definitely. So even as you say, like, even if I'm just slowing my breathing down, where is your attention then? If when you're slowing your breathing, where, where are you? Where is your attention? I focus visually, I imagine the air passing through my windpipe, and I visualize yeah. on slowing that down. So yeah, so your attention is here. 
your attention is in the present moment and it's connected to your breath. So you're not thinking about what's my next pod podcast conversation going to be about and what planning and preparation do I have to do? A, you know, you're not thinking about no. the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're here. So it's a form, you know, we might not call it meditation, but it, it's still a form of, it, it still is a form of, it's an open eyes meditation. You're, you're still tuned in in the mindful in a mindful way to the present moment yes yeah, so to answer your question by practicing on a regular basis it makes it easier for us to use these tools kind of in a more fluid uh, less formal way throughout the day so let's say I'm a listener and I've listened to this and I thought you know mm -hmm. what I could do with some more mindfulness I could do with lowering my day-to-day -day stress I want to practice mindfulness. How do I do that now? Like, what mm. are my next steps if mm, I'm listening to okay. this discussion? Yeah, great, good question. So there's lots of different there's lots of different ways. There's you know we're in this this state at the moment where everything's online, but there is actually really a lot of really useful online tools and programs. There's there's a couple of great apps. So there's the Smiling Mind app. There's also a really great app that comes out of the UK called Headspace, um, which I, I highly recommend. I really love that app. There's also, you might, you, you might want to sign up for a course or a program. Unfortunately, I'm not currently running any at the moment as I'm sort of, you know, juggling mum life and, and work life, but there's some really great ones out there. So um, I actually did a little bit of a quick Google search the other day um, Open Ground, which is an Australian-based organization, runs online mindfulness-based stress reduction courses, uh, which is John Kabat-Zinn. That's his his course, his program, which is really very evidence-based. But there's lots of different ones online. So yeah, I'd encourage you to to look up mindfulness course or how to learn mindfulness and there's there's so much out there there's a really another really great app called insight timer which um, has got thousands and thousands of different meditations and different meditation teachers and you can listen to meditations from some of the world's most reputable meditation teachers um, as well as i can upload some meditations there i do have some meditations which i've recorded and people are welcome to access via my website, which is www.ubuntuwellness.com.au. So there's a link there on mindfulness offerings of some guided meditations that I've done. Yeah, so I there's some really great books and resources if you want to learn a little bit about, you know, what mindfulness is and even a bit of the science of it. So, but I, I really also encourage people not to get overwhelmed because there is a lot out there as you said Ruan you know your your feed is full of mindfulness things so even if you start with one of those apps and just start with 10 minutes a day that can be a really great way of starting or you might want to just go note do you know what I'm going to dive in and I'm going to sign up for an eight-week course and I would say excellent good on you like this is this is what the world needs right now the world needs more people looking after themselves and you know so we can look after ourselves and and that is 
contagious, you know, as, as we're looking after ourselves, we're connecting back with our true nature. It allows us to connect and relate with the people around us and it allows us to not get caught up in that fear spiral and feel like we can actually be how we want to be within the challenges that are presenting themselves to us at the moment. And I feel like that is what the world is needing. That is, you know, we are the change that we want to see in the world if we can be conscious as to how we want to be. Yeah, that's a powerful way to phrase, I think, closing off this conversation almost. Mm. Um, I think the, the challenge that you're putting down there is if you want to if you want to change the world, you start with yourself. And a great way to do that is with mindfulness. Yeah, totally. I really believe it. I'm not just saying that because that's what I I do for my work. I really like, I really, really believe it. That if we're not caught in that fight flight all the time, you know, we feel well within ourselves. We have the energy to kind of look around us and go, how can I be of service? How can I connect with those that are suffering? How can I live from a place of love as opposed to from a place of fear? Mm. I did want to just close out on one other point. Mm. You did talk Mm. about different styles of mindfulness and in the guided mindfulness experience that you took us on, you touched on a couple of those. What are are the top sort of selection of strategies within mindfulness? Yeah, look, um, I I wouldn't necessarily say there were different styles. They're more different objects of awareness, so different things that you can pay attention to. So there's paying attention to your five senses. That's one way of engaging mindfully because when we're, our senses are always in the present. So we can engage in our sense of sight, our sense of smell, our sense of touch, our sense of um, hearing, taste, if that's relevant. So you can use, do this while you're drinking tea, for example, or having your breakfast. Then we can also tune into the body the body is also always present and tuning into the body helps us really stay grounded and also helps us shift from that very mind-based thinking state of being to a very sort of more grounded bodily state of being and and connecting in with our body also helps us notice where we're holding stress or notice where there might be discomfort that needs you know needs some TLC needs some love and attention Um, We can tune into our breath. The beautiful thing about our breath as well, it's always here. It's always available to us. But the breath has also got that really soothing quality of the in-breath and the out-breath. It's that wave-like sensation, which is very soothing for our nervous system and also can help us notice, not that we're ever trying to force the breath, but if we are in a state of stress, you know, often we go into that short, shallow, quick pace of breathing so even just by noticing the breath and staying with the breath we naturally the net, the breath will naturally fall into a, a deeper more rhythmic flow so that can be really useful in settling our nervous system we can bring mindfulness to our thoughts and be almost like an observer to our mind like you're watching a movie and watching the movie of your mind play out or listening to a radio and listening to the sounds that are and you know be the witness so you're learning not to not to 
kind of be taken away by your thoughts. Um, you can use the breath or your body as an anchor. Um, and then you can also bring awareness to your emotional, your emotional self, what's happening for you emotionally. And that's where the self-compassion I find is really, really helpful to bring in that element of compassion to whatever emotions might be present. So rather than fighting them or resisting them or blocking them, we're actually able to care for them and attend to them with that, that tool of self-compassion. Yeah, so those are some ways that we can be mindful. And when you practice mindfulness or when you take a guided mindfulness experience, do you often shift objects during the course of the session? Or do you find you get a stronger outcome if you have less objects of focus? Yeah, both. I think um, sometimes it can help to train your your awareness, train, train that part of your brain that can just focus by just choosing one thing. You might just choose your breath. But then another approach could be actually broadening your lens, you know, like kind of zooming out and actually taking it at all. And you're actually just noticing, okay, there's a sensation in my body, there's a breath, there's sound, there's a thought, and you're actually engaged in just being this open witness, this open observer, and your awareness is almost like this I was going to say container, but that feels too restrictive, almost like this really broad lens that's just holding a space for life that is unfolding as it's unfolding. So there's, yeah, different approaches. That that second approach is, is a beautiful approach and it, you know, really connects you with a sense of inner stillness, but it, it often requires a little bit more practice of the just the focus of attention, you know, just focusing on the breath or just focusing on the body. Um, like doing a body scan as an example of a, a really sort of focused bodily mindful practice. If you practice mindfulness, can you get good at it? Is it the sort of thing where <laughs> anyone can do it as good as anyone else? Or do you notice that you get more benefit the more you practice it in the sense that you can have a deeper focus yeah definitely and I want to like I'm, I'm laughing because I always say to people is that it's not about being good at mindfulness because then then we're bringing that element of striving and expectation sure because you know even the most experienced mindful practitioner or meditator will have experiences where they're completely distracted or they're having a meditation where they're just like oh they're just not engaged at all. And that's the human condition. So we're always just take away expectation, take away that element of striving and be really curious as to what this moment is offering. Sometimes it will be pleasant, sometimes it won't be. But, but to speak to that, because what we know about neuroplasticity, which I guess we could have like a whole nother um, conversation about neuroplasticity, but that's what we know is that the brain isn't fixed, that the brain changes and grows and develops based on, based on practice. So the more we practice mindfulness, the more we're training those neural pathways of attention or of letting go of resistance or judgment so that that becomes more accessible to us. Those neural pathways get stronger. So we could say that it might become easier. It might become more 
natural. I wouldn't say you become better or worse. I would say it, it becomes more natural, more accessible because those neural pathways uh, do get stronger through practice. Mm. That, that's certainly been my experience with breathing meditation. I find that I can, mm. like I say, I can monitor and drop my resting heart rate. And I can see that happen a lot faster when I'm mm. in the swing of it and practicing 10, 15 mm. minutes a day. Yeah, yeah. So at the start of the conversation, and you yeah. talked about the fact that you are a trained yoga instructor and you talked about the similarities and the overlay between mindfulness and meditation and yoga. Could you mm. talk about that a little bit more and, and just go into that and explain what that interaction is? Yeah. Yoga, I think, is just another another way of practicing mindfulness. You know, yoga invites us to be with our breath. It invites us to match the breath with movement sometimes, sometimes with a static posture. You know, you might be holding a lunge or a down-faced dog you're focusing on your breath and also there's just so much to pay attention to in yoga you know I've been practicing yoga for nearly I don't know how long maybe 10 years every time I'm in the simplest posture like a down face well, down face dog isn't that simple like a child's pose there's still so much to pay attention to so there's you have to be in that beginner's mind because your body is your body is it's like you're meeting it for the first time every time you pay attention to it because it's never the same it really invites and encourages you to tune in on such a micro level to all the different muscles, the bones, the structures, the movements, what feels stable, what's, what's opening, what's needing to be contracted, how, how we sort of position ourselves so that we're experiencing the posture, but then also how we sort of, I find yoga also supports me to have the relationship with myself that I want to have. And it sort of practices those elements, those attitudes of mindfulness that I spoke about at the start of curiosity, openness, acceptance, non-judgment, being free from the expectations or the judgments of the mind and just really embracing the present moment. So that's why I love practicing yoga so much. And because that it's such a body focused practice it really helps to shift out of the mind dominated state of thinking because like I am um I am a thinker I am a analytical person you know obviously that serves me a lot but you know I need that support of yoga and mindfulness to get me back into my body and get me back into the present moment so that's why I'm so appreciative of yoga and I find yeah a combination of yoga and mindful meditation is they're essential to me for my own functioning and I I, I see how much benefit other people get from it as well mm. and I thank you so much there's a lot in there was there anything else that thank we didn't you, cover that, that you want to you want to say um, look, there's, there's so much more we could talk about, but I feel like I don't want to over, overwhelm the listeners. I feel like hopefully there's something in there that people have either related to or can take away as a resource or perhaps um, maybe given some inspiration or even just some curiosity about perhaps exploring mindfulness as something that can be a tool that they can take with them. And as we said, not just for people who are struggling, but for everybody. Well, sometimes it's the smallest of comments like, 
a cold room reference <laughs> that, that stays with people the longest and, and actually exactly. influences and changes behavior and the way that people interpret the world. So you've given yeah. us so much content there, Anna. I'm sure that there's a lot of a lot of wealth in there that people will take with them. So thank you for being so generous with your time. Oh, my pleasure, Rowan. Okay, well, that's it for today. Tune in next week for a bonus episode of a guided mindfulness session with Anna Davies. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and a comment. We read every single one and it just it's awesome to see it come in and gives us a huge boost to keep going. Your reviews and comments also make these conversations more discoverable to other listeners. So thanks so much.